Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Thank you, God. You are holy, holy, holy. There is no one like you. No one that can stand beside you. You are always and forever in a class of your own. And God, we, we can't acknowledge your awesome power and your goodness, your loving kindness enough. We can't sing about it enough, Lord. Our entire lives all that we are, all that we have, all that we could be, it belongs to you, Lord, for your worship, for your glory, for your namesake, for your praise, God. And Lord, we thank you that you continue to show us your faithfulness, Lord. You continue to reveal your awesome power to us, and so we can count on you, we can trust in you again and again and again, Lord. And we thank you now, Lord, for this time that we've been able to spend, I believe you've, you've moved our hearts, caused our hearts to delight in you. You have done it, Lord, by your spirit. And we're grateful, God. And I pray that that would just lead into our time in your word. Thank you for your servant and for his continual preparation. And Lord, I pray that you would just move by your spirit in and through him. And Lord, along with us, Lord, by your spirit in and through us, Lord, that together, Lord, we would proclaim our God, our Redeemer, your goodness, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to sing the praises of God with the people of God, right? If you agree with me, say, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. We're going to be in Esther chapter 4. And we're going to go a little bit into chapter 5. And the title of the message is, How to Respond in Tough Times. How to Respond in Tough Times. See, life is not a cruise with no storms. Life is not a flight with no turbulence. Life is hard. Right? Sometimes in life it feels like you're trying to eat soup with a fork. It's hard. Sometimes things happen that knock the wind out of us. We're just, we're not expecting it. Some things, things come and it just makes us feel our weakness. Sometimes we just feel confused. What am I supposed to do in this? Sometimes the thing that happens makes you feel fear, fills you with fear. That's the reality for Esther and Mordecai. If you've been here with us through the weeks, you know that a crisis has come in their life. That an edict has gone out that has, that's decreed their destruction, them and all of their people. But here's the thing that you're going to see in chapter 4 and 5. Esther 
and Mordecai respond the right way. And how they respond in tough times is the way God wants us to respond. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, When Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went into the middle of the city, and cried loudly and bitterly. He went only as far as the king's gate, since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering the king's gate. There was a great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command and edict reached. Just in case you're wondering, I'm reading from the CSB. If you, somebody asked me last week what I was reading from, so that's what I'm reading from. The Christian Standard Bible, I think. Right, Cheon? CSB. They fasted, wept, and lamented, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Esther's female servant and her eunuch came and reported the news to her, and the queen, over, the queen was overcome with fear. She sent clothes for Mordecai to wear so that he would take off his sackcloth, but he did not accept them. Esther summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had attended her and dispatched him to Mordecai to learn what, was, what he was doing and why. So Hahach went out to meet Mordecai in the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened, as well as the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury for the slaughter of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa, ordering the destruct- their destruction so that Hahach might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and command her to approach the king to implore his favor and plead with him personally for her people. Hathach came and reported to Mordecai, uh, uh, Mordecai's response to Esther. Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to tell Mordecai, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard, who has not been summoned, the death penalty. Unless the king extends the scepter, extends the scepter allowing that person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for, a, for the last 30 days. Think about this. That's his wife. He hasn't called to see or talk to her for 30 days. Keep telling you, this guy is a terrible king. I have not been summoned for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Mordecai told the messenger, the messenger to reply to Esther, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you're in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three uh, three days and night, night or day, and I'm And I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. On the third day, this is in chapter 5 now, Esther dressed in a royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing the king. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the the royal courtroom, courtroom facing the entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand towards Esther, and she approached him and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be given to you. 
If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I've prepared for them. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, what Whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be done. Esther answered, this is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet. I will prepare for them tomorrow. For them tomorrow, I will do what the king has asked. God, we give you thanks for the word. We pray, Lord God, that we would find help, Lord, from your word in the in a place that we may not expect to find help. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to look at this word in a fresh way, God. So many of us have ideas about Esther and what it means and what is going on, Lord God, but I pray that we would see so clearly what you are saying and what you are doing in our lives, what you are doing in their lives, and how that applies to us now. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Anoint us to listen and to get into a place of faith, of trusting you, Lord God, as we hear from your word, and living by faith as we live life here in this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I told you the title was How to Respond in Tough Times. Here's the first one. Be open about how you're actually feeling. In tough times, be open about how you're actually feeling. Look at the text. It says that when Mordecai learned all that was going on, verse 1 says, he tore his clothes. He cried loudly. He put on sackcloth. There's a picture of it for you up on the screen, I believe. Shayon found this. Here's, here's, I'm showing you this because this was an uncomfortable piece of garment to put on. And this is what he puts on and other people put on. And what it did was it, it expressed, it expressed, uh, it was an outward expression of inward emotion. And so he puts this on because he's like, I want you to see actually how I'm feeling inside. And what you got to realize is that Mordecai wasn't the strong, silent type. When he was crying, he never said, oh, I got something in my eyes. That, he never said that. He was open. See, he was humble, humble enough to let you know what was actually going on. So many people struggle and do not get the help that they need because they refuse to be humble enough and vulnerable enough to actually say, this is really what's going on. But they just keep quiet and go through it all by themselves. Don't let that be you. Now, I said that really loudly, so let me clarify something. I am not saying that when you are struggling and hurting, you should post everything everywhere. We've all read that long post, right? Like, come on. And I'm not saying you got to talk to any and everybody. What I am saying is share with people who you know love you and are down for you and will actually help you. Be wise. Now, in verses 5 to 9... Esther tries to figure out what's going on with Mordecai. And then he explains everything to her. I'm summarizing some things for us. And then in verse 8, he commanded her, it says, to approach the king and plead for her people. And then in verses 10 to 14, they, they have this back and forth. 
They go back and forth about it. And in their back and forth, it actually shows us what can happen in tough times when a crisis comes. Here's this first one. A crisis can show that sometimes we need a push to do what is right. Look at verse 10. It says, Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to tell Mordecai, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard that has not been summoned, the death penalty. Unless the king extends the gold scepter allowing that person to live. What she's doing here is she's hesitating. She's, at first, she's like, I, I don't actually want to go. Then verse 13, Mordecai told the messenger, re, messenger to reply to Esther, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you're in the king's palace. He warns her. He tells her, like, yeah, you're, you're in danger if you go, but you're also in danger if you do nothing. He warns her. Here's this next one. A crisis can bring our theology to the surface. <laughs> Come on. Let me do it. Come on. It's true. Can bring something. In a tough time, just listen to what comes out of people's mouth. It tells you so much about what they believe about God. Verse 14, he says, If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. He's actually hinting at God's providence. He's like, Esther, you are not where you are by accident. Joyce Baldwin says, without explicitly spelling out in detail how he came to his conviction, Mordecai reveals that he believes in God, in God's guidance of individual lives, and in God's ordering of world's political events, irrespective of whether those who seem to have the power acknowledge him or not. Mordecai believes God is involved. And he says, God is going to get us through. And here's what he's doing. He's actually challenging Esther to step into her moment. He doesn't want her to miss her moment. God knows the problems up ahead in your life. And he places his people in strategic places to protect you and bring himself glory. Come on. We are not here on our own. Let me give you an example of this. Joseph and his brothers. My hands are up because I want you to pay attention. Joseph and his, they sell him. They, they do an evil, wicked thing and sell him into slavery. And then years later, he looks at them and he says, you sold me into Egypt, but don't be angry with yourself. This is all after they've worked it all out and forgiveness has been extended. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. Here's why. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. God was working in all of it. In Esther, God's providence is on display. Pastor Tony Evans said this, God's providence is the miraculous and often mysterious way he interconnects people and events to bring about his sovereign will and purposes. The scriptures abound with the truth of God's providence. 
God grants human beings freedom, but he will not allow that freedom to thwart his sovereignty. God overrules even the evil that people do to accomplish his goal. Here's the next one. A crisis can produce life-changing character in us. In tough times, believe it or not, some good things are going on in you. God is working. He's bringing certain things to the surface. How come nobody said amen? Come on, don't leave me up here. This is what actually happens in Esther. Esther's life, verse 15. I'm not making it up. Watch this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants would also fast in the same way after after that, after we've fasted and prayed, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. Here's a second way to respond in tough times. Take courageous steps of faith. Esther steps up and she steps out. She says, I will go to the king. And then she does something that we should all do when we're taking steps of faith, she says, assemble the Jews and fast for me. Now this phrase here, and fast for me, actually implies prayer as well. They go together. We, we, we stop maybe eating or something like that, and we just focus on God and pray to God for help. H.B. Charles said this. I love this. There's a lot you can do to make a difference after you've prayed. But there really is nothing you can do to make a difference until you've prayed. He's the best. You want to listen to a good preacher, H.B. Charles, just check him out. Prayer. Prayer says, God, I believe you're with me. Prayer says, God, I, I know I'm acting courageous, but I know that this thing that I'm going through takes more than courage. We need that supernatural help of God. What did Moses say? We're not going up the hill unless you go with us. Prayer says, God, I believe you are working behind the scenes, and so I'm asking for your help. And notice, too, she says, get other people to do it. So you pray for yourself, but you also ask some people to pray for me. Here's the other thing, too. That takes humility. Sometimes some of us are struggling so much, and when you look at your life, what is it? You're just trying to do it all by yourself. You're not asking God for help, and you're not asking for your brothers and sisters who love you to come alongside you and say, just pray with me. We, I need God's help and his work in this thing. It takes humility. A lot you can do after you've prayed, but there's not a lot you can do until you have. Come on, say it. Prayed. She says, if I perish, I perish. What's this? Esther steps into her moment. I want you to also know she steps up as a leader. I'm not making it up. Look at verse 17. So go, so Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. Up until this point, she's taken direction from him. Now she's given direction. And in a book, because we've been, we've been through this a little bit, in a book full of weak leaders, say weak. weak, weak leaders, Esther stands out as a strong leader, very strong. What you're going to see as we go through is Esther, has, she's a woman with a plan, right? My hands are on my shoulders, because on my hip, because it's true. 
Esther is a woman who uses power wisely. You're going to see all that. Esther is poised. And Esther was the kind of leader who should remind you of the greatest leader that's ever lived. And you all know what I'm going to say because you've been here. We've been here before, right? Jesus Christ, greatest leader. Now, let me tell you what you need to know. Let me tell you what you need to hear every week. I want to give you that good gospel. Jesus Christ is the greatest leader that's ever lived because he didn't just risk his life. Jesus gave his life in order to save you and me from sin and give us new life. That's the king we have. She's, she has a plan. She uses power wisely. She's poised. She's wise. Watch this. Esther shows her wisdom by what she wears. On the third day, verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard. What she's doing here is she's claiming her power and authority as queen. She's also saying to the king, it's not just some random person up in here. It's the queen. It's your wife. And it gets his attention. Esther also shows her wisdom in her speech. Verse 3 of chapter 5 says, what is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. What you want, even up to half the kingdom, will be given to you. She says, if it pleases the king. Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I've prepared for them. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, whatever you, will, you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be done. Esther answered, this is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet, I will pray for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king asks. What you got to understand here is Haman makes this guy, uh, sorry, Esther makes this guy feel like he's in charge. Seriously. She's, notice what she's saying. She's like, if, it, if I find favor in your eyes, if it pleases the king, think of it, this guy's on a massive ego trip. And she, she makes him feel like he's in, but who's in charge? Esther's in charge. Think, she has him running around getting Haman. Get Haman for me. Okay, let's do that. Then she has Haman coming to her banquet. She is actually in charge, but she's very wise and crafty in how she goes about it. Here's this last one. Esther shows her wisdom in her pace. You, you could almost miss it. She, she shows her wisdom in her pace. In verse 5, the king actually responds to her request. But then in verse 8, she promises to respond to his request. She says, tomorrow I will do what the king asks. Now, you can read all the Bible commentaries you want in the world. Almost all of them tell you nobody knows why she delays. But almost all of them say this delay piques the king's interest and gets him in the spot where he's basically going to do whatever she wants. And it has Haman feeling good about him. He's feeling nice. Right? We say in Jamaica, he's feeling sweet. He feels good about himself. Look at verse 9. That day, Haman left full of joy and in good spirits. 
He's feeling himself. I told you, Esther is very poised. You got to think about this. She's in the room eating at a table with a man she knows wants to destroy her and all of her people. And notice, she doesn't go at him. She sets a trap for him. Poised. She is, well, I want you to know Esther's teaching us. Say somebody, say to somebody, yes, she is. She's teaching us. Say it. Say, Esther's teaching you. Here's what she's teaching you to do in tough times. She teaches you in that in tough times, you got to be strategic with your actions. In tough times, you got to be very wise with your words. And in tough times, Esther shows you that you got to make your moves slowly and not rush. She is wise. Verse 9 says, that day Haman left full of joy and in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai didn't rise to tremble in fear at his presence. Haman was filled with rage towards Mordecai. Mordecai is just mean mugging him. He's just sitting there. Right? Everybody is bowing down, bowing down. Mordecai is doing one of these. Well, I'm not doing any of that. It says he goes home with Then first, look at verse 13. Where am I? Let me find it. Verse 13. Still... None of this satisfies Mordecai, uh, me since Mordecai the Jew is sitting at the king's gate all the time. Now you're kind of like, why are you showing us that, Marv? Because what I'm showing you, because you need to see the contrast between Mordecai in chapter 5 and Mordecai in chapter 4. How did chapter 4 start? He was weeping and wailing. Now in chapter 5, he is sitting and waiting. He's sitting and trusting. How can he behave like this? Mordecai believes God is involved. And so what he teaches us is that in tough times, what we need to do is we need to wait patiently on the Lord. Mordecai is back in his usual spot. He, he showed Esther the problem told her what he thinks she needs to do. She says, I'm going to go ahead and do that even if it, it costs me my life. I, I'm trusting God. I'm taking the step of faith. And Mordecai says, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to wait on God. Because I can, I could step in and I could try and fix this all myself. But we fasted, we prayed. Sanjay, you could come on up. We fasted, we prayed. We've lifted our voices to God. And in my theology, I believe God is sovereign over all things, providentially ruling and reigning. He has put my niece in the proper spot that she's supposed to be for the protection of his people. And I believe God is going to come through because we have a God who does not fail, who never leaves his people hanging. He hasn't abandoned us yet. He got us out of Egypt. He got us through the wilderness. And he's going to get us through this thing. That is the God. Amen. That is the God we have. Mordecai believes that God is in control. Let me ask you, when you look at tough things going on in your life, do you believe that God is in control? Mordecai believes that God, God was working while he was waiting. And in your tough moments, do you believe that? 
that as I wait, as I trust the Lord, that God is working. And you hear me say, wait on the Lord. And you're like, Marv, come on, bro. Waiting's hard. Waiting on God is hard. And it's true. But I know that you guys know this. God always comes. Waiting is hard. But God comes through. And as you wait, I want you to remember this. There is not a mountain too tall. There's not a problem so small that Jesus can't resolve. In time, he'll get involved. Our God cares about us. So wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength. Oh, I want to keep going. There's not a night too dark. <laughs> I can't sing. A journey too long to embark. Jesus will see you through. In time, he'll make you new. Come on. Our God, he cares about us. Jermaine, stand up. You can sing it. Come on, give us that gospel voice. Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on, stand up. Yeah, come on. Hey, we're, we just make it up as we go. It's not some professional business. Come on. Yeah, everybody stand. Come on. Go ahead, brother. No, you go ahead. You can do it. Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on, sing. God, we pray and give you thanks because we know you are good. We know that in the toughest moments that you are there. And Lord God, I know some of us are probably in a tough moment now and some of us, of us are not. But we've lived in a world that is broken and that is hard and we know we're either in a storm or going into a storm. But we know, Lord God, from looking at you over the course of all scripture, that we're never alone in the storms, that we're never alone in the tough times. Father, for the person who isn't feeling your presence as strong as they need to right now, Lord God, I pray that they would sense it. I pray, God, that there would be a renewed understanding of your presence and power in their life, in all our lives. I pray that when tough times come, we would just sing, wait on the Lord. I pray, God, in the midst of confusion and fear, it would be met with trust and faith. We would be like Esther and Mordecai who move in a way that shows that we believe 
that you're in charge. That you will renew our strength. That you do care about us. We thank you that you are a God who is holy, powerful, transcendent, but present. Present with fatherly care, fatherly attention. Help us, Lord God, to humbly trust you and to respond the way you want us to respond, whether we're in a tough moment now or whether we're in a tough moment in 20 minutes. We give you praise, God, for who you are, we pray. Help us to wait on you in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.